Welcome to the Ogletree Deacons Podcast, a brief discussion of compelling legal issues and practical insights. Please note that the information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be, nor should it be construed as legal advice. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or through your favorite podcast service. Please consider rating and reviewing so that we may continue to provide the content that covers your needs. Please enjoy the program. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us for the Ogletree Deacons podcast. My name is Karen Tynan, and I'm a shareholder in the Sacramento, California office. And here is my Orange County BFF, (laughs) Kevin Bland, our Orange County shareholder. And we are talking about safety consultants and safety professionals in the context of collaboration, teamwork, best practices for employers. No, absolutely, Karen, and I'm I'm glad that you brought that in because some of the things that we're going to talk about uh, today could be will sound maybe critical of uh, some safety consultants and maybe critical of some safety attorneys. (laughs) There you go. Maybe even uh, some things that sound critical of employers the best, but the whole purpose of why I think this is a good topic that you came up with and we want to talk about today is I think it's going to help safety consultants and employers and attorneys to utilize each of those persons or entities strengths for the best outcomes and that's kind of what we want to talk about today so why don't we start with what is a safety consultant karen that's right (laughs) so you know we can think of safety consultants as an independent third party who advises companies on safety matters and typically their primary focus is on subjects like training, auditing, expertise that will create a safer working environment. And it's a person typically, an industrial hygienist, a safety engineer, with a background um, in compliance with either Fed OSHA or state plan regulations. And I think that it's important to understand how safety consultants get utilized and how we can collaborate and and kind of dovetail as workplace safety attorneys with the safety consultants and, and create the best result for the employer. And it, it doesn't have to be that we're each vying for the same role in the context of CalOSHA inspections or CalOSHA litigation or advising employers, right, Kev? Very good point. And I just thought of this as you were given that explanation. <laughs> One thing, kind of way to look at it is the safety consultant plays a huge role in the preventive and the current compliance before you end up with a callous inspection, before you end right. up with uh, an injury or uh, an accident or God forbid a fatality. That's the role. And we come in when the God forbid something has, has gone wrong uh, and maybe nothing went wrong, but somebody still got uh, right. injured and, and then OSHA or CalOSHA comes in and that's when the stakes change. And that's when what we're going to talk about today, the stakes are higher and the roles become really separated and defined. And so you're telling me that you're not going to take your calipers and crawl under the lettuce sorting machine and figure out if the guarding is five millimeters or 10 millimeters. What's a caliper? No, I'm kidding. I know what a caliper is. I was an iron worker in the field. and yeah. But yeah, you're right. And then on the same token, is right. it really the role of the safety consultant? And we'll get into more details like to start representing 
right. in a litigation or an appeal, or I even back it up when there's an injury and we'll get right. into some more details of this, but should they be the sole person representing the company in front of OSHA? They should be there with you and there's yes. a role. We'll get into that, but their distance needs to stay in uh, not get out over our skis. The attorney shouldn't get out over their skis and neither should uh, the safety consultant when it comes to this, the, the stakes changing that when it, when it stops being preventive and starts being potential litigation. Right. And it's, and it's an active situation. So uh, let's talk about a couple of examples. I'd like to know what comes to the front of your mind when, when you do recommend employers utilize a safety consultant, maybe you take a step back, right? There's no active litigation, but are there times where you see issues or employers because you're a resource, right? We both get these calls. Tell me a little bit more about that. Well, that, that's a good question. And when you said it comes to front of mind, I have more room there now that my hairline's receding. <laughs> so I have more on the front of mind now than I did before you're 10 fine. years ago. No, in all seriousness, a client will call me and say, hey, we want to revamp our IIPP, for example, and figure out where all of our compliance is and, and at, at the uh, location. I go, that's great, but I want to refer you to some safety consultants that are really good if you don't already have one. Right. Number one. Number two is where my role comes in there is that we want to do this, but we don't want everything discoverable until we have analyzed yes. it and figured out with the safety consultant. So we will then have that safety consultant work as our agent for at the your direction. at my direction and then they can give us all the unfettered feedback and keep it privileged until such time that we want to use and this is going in the program this is what we're going to do now we have a finished product my role is really to say okay this is what we have this is what the safety consultant has written up in the IPP have we met all the the points so you have just a, a second set of eyes on that but I'm not going to be the second set of eyes and decide whether this machine needs guarded or not guarded Right. That's a safety consultant's uh, role or drafting a bunch of specialized programs. Like a lotto program. Yeah. I always say, you know, if you're going to have someone come into your manufacturing plant, right, and you're wanting to double check, you know, you, you've got a lotto program. Well, you need someone that really is a specialist and understands your electrical, your your mechanical systems, maybe your HMI, your your interface that's controlling your systems, right? Yeah. So that's going to be someone with that specialization. But I love that you brought up the fact that we can collaborate with the employer. And let's say the consultant comes back and says, hey, I see a real risk around your current your current yeah. Yeah. lotto process, let's say for your group lockout, and I think we need to revamp this and add this element and this procedure. Well, we can do that under privilege and collaborate with that safety consultant. So I see it a lot with like lotto with new machinery. Yeah. Someone gets nine new, they get nine new decapitator 3000s and the manufacturer includes a note that says OSHA compliant on all guarding. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, wait a second. <laughs> and the employer's like, hey, we want we want this looked over and checked out before we put these machines online and train the workers. You and I can't do that. Right, right. This is a real world example where it's very important to have some discussions under privilege about mm -hmm. something. Because at the end of the day, the goal is safe workplace. But to also avoid 
liability, so to speak, right. for things until you know exactly. And this was, we see this a lot. And when is cleaning cleaning? And when <laughs> right. is it not cleaning right. that requires uh, lockout tag out procedures or an mm -hmm. extension tool or what have you? Right. And so you have the safety consultant then all of a sudden send this memo out when cleaning the machine broadly, right? right. You have to lock it out and take it out. Well, what happens if it's part of the setup? That means every time you turn it on, you got to do something right. that cleans this thing off. That's not mm -hmm. taking it apart. It's not inadvertent movement because it's got to be moving right. to do it. But now something happens and that's setting out there. Well, if you have a privileged discussion and say, okay, right. let's define what type of cleaning we're talking about when lockout 100%. is real. And so that's just kind of an example. It's really important. I think that's yeah. a really good example. And let's talk do you have a good safety consultant story where you got a great outcome for an employer where you're able to collaborate with a safety consultant and, and you felt like it's a good example? I've had actually a bunch. <laughs> so, uh, so I love my safety consultants. One example is, you know, like when there's an accident mm -hmm. and we work together on root cause analysis, we work together on gathering right. facts and information for me. And then we set and collaborate to set, but then it's privileged. So there's nothing they have. To, they don't have to be worried about what they write down on the paper they're sending to me because it's privileged. Right. And then we can decide that make determinations of what is really factual and what is not and how right. we want to word whatever the report is. So maintaining that privilege. So we've had successful trial outcomes. Whenever you have a safety consultant you're working with, Mm -hmm. And you end up in litigation or trial, I can put them on the stand. Yes. Right. And, and they then know. they can talk. Right. And we can be prepared. And uh, there's a separation of what was privileged and not. And I know what that is. And we can make proper objections to that and what have you. I actually probably every single accident case that, that we handle, I try to have the safety consultant involved. If they're using a third party, mm -hmm. it's great. We send an email. We we establish, establish uh, the 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 uh, relationship uh, and the and direction and move forward, and then they can still do everything that they normally do right. on all the projects, whether they're doing them monthly or weekly mm -hmm. or daily, whatever checks and all that. But then, what we related, related to this case, we have that protected. And I like there's a lot of safety consultants that really specialize in niches. I think there are some that specialize in advising veterinary clinics, right? For that the unique bloodborne pathogens and you know all that. And then there are others that that uh, specialize around guarding and manufacturing. Others, you know, have a more broad kind of industrial hygiene. And so there's a lid for every pot, right, Kev? Yes, absolutely. Now I think too that can be helpful with some bad stories. Oh, okay. Just one, like, one, what, well, I can, I can tell you one, actually I want to use a couple, but okay. one really bad story. Safety consult. This was a fatality. Safety consultant was representing mm -hmm. because that's where I think the line gets crossed. Whenever right. safety consultants start representing the company that they've been doing the inspections, Right. They've got a or, relationship. Or or they get brought in to handle the appeal. Now, so one of them, this one, they the, the guy brought, got brought in to handle appeal because they sent, you know, they got this flyer. Oh, my God, you have liability and we can help and blah, 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 blah. It's uh, called jail and, mail yeah, in, yeah, in yeah. the criminal context. Well, it's funny you say that because that's what ended up 
happened in this case. And it was a result of the safety consultant trying to represent an employer in a fatality case right. without counsel involved. He gave them some advice, you know, and there's no malpractice. You cannot, <laughs> you can't sue a safety consultant for malpractice. Right. We have an ethical and a legal obligation. We have side rails, yeah. you know, things <laughs> that protect the client based yes. on our advice. And this client took that advice, did some things based on that advice, and ended up with criminal charges. As we and, uh, and so it was, it was tough. And of course, when did I get involved? Uh, Not at the when, beginning, no, clearly. When, <laughs> when the cuffs went on. I mean, literally, <laughs> I got a call. And he's got cuffs on him in his workplace at his office where right. the cops came so uh and of course the safety consultant right right uh, right well, i don't know it's a little over my head now well no kidding right but, they're not going to show up yeah. in department nine yeah. in your arraignment yeah and that's a kind of an extreme example but the little examples where uh, they they've had some success with like an informal conference once where they had citations withdrawn or reduced or whatever. Right. And then all of a sudden, but not every case is the same. And as the division, as Cal OSHA, uh, new governors, new right. chiefs, all that come into play. It's not the old Cal OSHA. It's not the old OSHA. Do right. a little litigation in Washington. Right. Find out like how. Yeah. And right. so it's become much more legally difficult now. And right. so it's very important to know where your role is. And I maybe I was gonna talk about this later, but I'm gonna say it now. One of the best quotes I ever had was from one of the big uh, research and standards uh, safety folks in Cal OSHA, and we were uh, in an advisory committee. And he's, his statement was, look, if the safety consultants don't practice law and the attorneys don't practice safety, the client will be well served, Kevin. <laughs> And I've, I've kept that mantra and it makes sense. I don't need to get over my skis because I want the client served well yes. and vice versa. Well, you know, I'm going to tell a quick story. I know Kevin's more of the storyteller, but, um, you know, we had a, a terrific client that, you know, we had some citations and um, we weren't getting anywhere really with some settlement discussions. And so they brought in a safety consultant that had settled a case for them on the East coast. Mm -hmm. He was a, he's a national safety consultant, retired fed OSHA guy. Right. So they sent him the whole file. He's, he's, you know, spent a lot of time, probably, I don't know. I don't know what the hourly rate is. And then we get on this call and we're talking about this case and he goes, Oh, well, I don't really know that how that district manager works. I don't know about that state plan. <laughs> yeah. right? right. So it comes back to, you know, trying to find, in the safety consultant and in your attorneys too, that person with the expertise, because the person who was your expert on fall protection in Florida may not be the person who you can rely on for your confined space issue in California. Right, it, it, right. It's really tough. And so I like what you talked about in that. And the other part you touched on, and I want to dive just a hair deeper, Kev. So you don't have to be a licensed attorney to represent uh, an employer in, at the appeals board, right? Correct. In or California. Even, in California. Right. Yeah. Or even, um, even just to negotiate anything, right? Right. Right. Um, but the flip side of that, let's talk about. You talked about privilege before. So we have attorney-client privilege, and we have attorney work product in California, 
And especially in accident investigations or safety audits, when you have attorney work product and attorney client communication privilege, that can really provide protections. And, um, and the idea that you don't have those protections and California allows employers to represent themselves, allows their, their safety VP can put on a hearing, right? Yep. Yeah. And we, we, we see that. And uh, the worst thing that happens sometimes is that they were successful once and then right. a big thing happens. And now, you know, they're not. But here's the part that I think is a little bit scary to me that I don't think people get their head wrapped when you're mentioning right. privilege. They're representing them in a hearing. What I would do if I'm on Kailosha's side, and I've seen them do this before, and yes. I have done this to Kailosha when they don't have counsel, but they have right. a district manager, is put the what the representative right. on the stand and say, well, what was your strategy for this? Where the, 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 What conversation? Tell me everything that the client told you throughout this entire, you know, mm -hmm. and go right down all of that where there's no attorney contract. You can't object. Right. It all comes in. You're under oath. Everything yeah. the employer told I've, them. Yeah. I've done that to the district manager whenever they don't have counsel with Kalosha and put them on the stand and start asking. They go, well, and they try to object attorney-client privilege. Your Honor, they're not a licensed attorney. They have to the answer. Yeah, yes, there's no right. privilege right. here, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and so that's where we can be a shield and a sword to help the, the client and work together because I can then put them on the stand and ask the questions I want. And then if it's on direct... What is, what is cross? It's limited to the, what's on direct, right? It keeps going down like a funnel. And so you have some control. And I think you're giving an endorsement for our podcast on Kalosha trials and hearings. <laughs> Maybe. So I like that. No, I, I think it's an important distinction for employers. And especially, I think, kind of medium-sized employers or employers that maybe have a couple of facilities, they're thinking, well, the safety professional knows my business, right? They know my witnesses. My my head of facilities is comfortable with him. We'll be able to put this hearing on. Yeah. But there's a lot of nuances, and and that's what you're talking about. Yeah. And and so there are pros and cons, but the cons need to be very carefully understood. Yes. Yeah. This just made me think of this. Another thing we, we will have the the the, the safety uh, person and it's an accident going, and I'm now and there's and I haven't been involved yet. You haven't been involved right. yet. They've taken 50 photos of the injury and the yeah. the, the, the you know, body or everything that right. was wrong. Right. All those pictures, in, you know, an ocean may not be getting there for three more days. There's no obligation to take pictures of an accident. Right. Right. And so. But your safety yeah, consultants because done they're, it. They're, they're in, maybe for the right. For the I, right I reasons. Say maybe. For the right reasons. Yes. They're wanting to say, I want to see everything that went wrong so I can prevent this. However, in the context of a serious injury fatality, there's greater stakes. And you and just so talked you about them with yeah. the handcuffs. If, yeah. If I if I go out and take pictures of my work product, yes. right, and then we can go and we can analyze when we do whatever we need to. And, and, and you may think, oh, this is disingenuous with the OSHA and all that. No. Well, no, it's not. You even call the accident report in. Right. The safety concern, and they tell them exactly what, you know, and they don't even know for sure. I had this happen in another case. I'm sorry, the last story where okay. they called in, they said a road caved in because that's what they heard from the person. It turns out there was no road cave in. Someone drove right. off of the road and there wasn't even a cave in when he took the pictures. 
But what was exhibit A? Right. But anyway, I'm sorry. I'm off my soapbox. Kevin, sorry. that's okay. I'm pounding the table over here because I'm getting animated. Sorry. I, I know this right. is one so of I, I'm topics. sorry. I've droned on, Karen, but maybe uh, oh, are we uh, ready to wrap up? <laughs> yeah. Well, I just want to finish up. And, and you've talked about being able to go to hearing. And we know that um, based on our own data analysis that about 95, 98% of cases do settle, right? But having that ability to go to hearing is tremendous leverage. It's a trial. It's a hearing. I had a recent conversation with a very successful Northern California safety consultant. We were talking about um, winery work, right? And he shared with me that he was representing a, a winery and uh, we were talking about the case, a heat illness case. And um, he said, well, you know, I'm, I'm really you know, posturing a lot and trying to get a settlement. But if 30 days before the trial, I don't have a settlement, we'll just take the serious. Where's your leverage? <laughs> Where's your leverage? And he's a great guy and, and goes out and does terrific inspections, great work product. But that last bit of leverage is missing. So our, our message in this podcast has been, you know, we're allies for the employers with the, with the safety consultants. And we so appreciate you listening to Karen and Kevin and absolutely look for our blog articles on ogletree.com, our recorded webinars and our podcast. And of course, make sure you join us on our annual California Workplace Safety Symposium every October. All right. Have a great, safe day, everyone. Thank you for joining us on the Ogletree Deacons podcast. You can subscribe to our podcasts on Apple Podcasts or through your favorite podcast service. Please consider rating and reviewing so that we may continue to provide the content that covers your needs. And remember, the information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as legal advice.